Domestic work is one of those many awkward areas where South Africa is considered the special child in the global community. But how weird is domestic work in South Africa really? And if an alien arrived from outer space, what would they think? Luckily, we have an alien in the building. She's called Ruth. She's not from outer space, but she is a global citizen. Her family is originally Jewish, South African, but she was born and raised in the UK. She's also lived everywhere from Seattle to Italy to South Africa to Dar es Salaam. And since I've known her, she's talked my ear off about how bizarre she finds domestic work in South Africa. So... We thought it would be really refreshing to get the observations of an exceptionally well-traveled non-South African as a sort of check and balance to our often very insular view of things. Incidentally, she's also the very first white person we've had on the show (laughs) so far. So mazel tov. (laughs) Anyway, welcome, friend. Thank you. Hello. What's your story? Where do you come from? Where have you been? And what brings you to South Africa? Ish. Okay. Well, uh, my name is Ruth. I was born in Stockport. It's a very industrial working class town. Uh, My parents were originally from here, but sort of had a very um, interesting I guess, connection with that because we was very taboo. We never talked about it. I think we've only found out very late. South Africa was taboo, huh? Yeah, yeah, very taboo. Can you talk a bit to that? Um, I think when they left, so I was born in 89, they must have left in around 86. And I think being a white South African abroad was just not, Cool. Oh, I see. So you didn't want to, you didn't want to broadcast that. But we grew up very, like, we didn't grow up like that at all. I mean, we grew up in the midst of um, council estate, Northern England. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, had my mates in the hood and tried to play football in the streets and whatever. Um, we went to, we were part of the Jewish community there, so we were in Jewish schools and, you know, it's just a very eclectic group of people, really, because you're all sort of immigrants from somewhere, but. Yeah families going back to the UK for a long time. So that was how I grew up. Um, Then my dad uh, got this opportunity to move to the States. So we went to Los Angeles, which was at the time, which was about 98, was a culture shock of note. Wow. So that was was crazy. I don't know. My family hated it. And we stayed there for, I think, eight months. And then my mom was like, if you don't sort something out, I'm taking the kids and we're going back to England. So they moved up to Seattle, which is where my dad got into tech and where everything sort of started to take off. And they still live there. Very interesting transitions, eh? Yeah, Mm. very interesting. There was an opportunity to go to France and for work. And then that didn't happen. But my school had this program that they were running where there was like an exchange. And so I ended up going there. So I went to for summer of high school in, in the northwest of France, which was also a really, I mean, it was a great experience. Um, and, and then went to university. So I, my, the school that I went to, Brandeis University, is a, has this really amazing degree program where you can uh-huh. cycle through different countries with right, your degree. That right. was really important to me because I always felt very conflicted about living in the U.S. I really didn't like it. And I was hmm. basically wanted to go to where I conceptualized home of, which was the U.K., um, I was lucky enough to go to this university that 
had the opportunities to go and study at the London School of Economics and then in Italy as well. What happened was I essentially had two job opportunities when I left university. One was to the work that I ended up coming to Johannesburg to do, and the other was working in refugee camps on the Thai um, border with Myanmar. And I had this conversation with my parents. Where I was like, listen, I've worked all through university. I've got money to do what I want to do. I'm leaving. And they said, great, please don't go to Myanmar, Somalia or Afghanistan. What has struck you as really weird about domestic work in South Africa? Everything. <laughs> Dude, it's really weird. Like, it's really, really weird. Um, a lot. I think when I, when I first came here, um, in my house at home, uh, or in a home home, um, be it okay, UK what universe. is home home? Oh, can we not talk about that? Like Are you still discovering hours. it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Where my parents live, yeah. um, where whichever country that was in, and actually anywhere I've lived, okay, people do not have maids, right? If you have maids, you're Bill Gates, right? People don't have maids. So it is. Oh, it's a luxury, wow. Right? Yeah. You, so you hire a cleaner, right? But your cleaner comes once every other week and she cleans. She doesn't do all the other stuff. Definitely doesn't need okay. Like raise your kids. Oh, man. <laughs> so you're saying it's an incredibly yeah. intimate relationship here. I don't even think it's that intimate though. That's what that's what weirded me out about it, right? Uh-huh. Like you don't nobody makes your bed. Like you make your bed. Right. You do your washing, you unstack the dishwasher, you do the dishes. The cleaner comes and will clean the house. So mm. like she'll wash all the windows and vacuum and dust and all that stuff. And that like not everybody does that it costs money it's a living wage it's above minimum wage is this usually. both the uk and the u.s yeah man okay. like people don't just have maids are they contracted to a company too? sometimes sometimes they do it on their own like mm. i mean you don't just don't just have somebody who like comes and stays over at your house like it's very strange oh, right. there's no uniform it's very strange i think that it's like and even when people have, and we would call them housekeepers, we wouldn't call them maids. Like, even when you have a housekeeper, like, you know, very wealthy people often will, right? Um, the housekeeper has very specific tasks. So usually you'll have a housekeeper who, I, I don't know anybody who has a housekeeper. But my perception from, like, reading articles and movies <laughs> is that, like, you know, this person will prepare food or and will clean and whatever but this person maybe if it's some kind of hybrid thing like for example the nannies in new york yeah like they they take care of the kids right. they do not then also do that okay so there's a there's a separation of roles yeah and you also it's like very much and um, like if you're a nanny like you know i was been a nanny for kids before um you know you bond with the kids but it's a professional relationship with the parents like you're not in their lives. When I came here, I mean, first, the first thing that was very, very weird for me was that, um, it was, a I was at my aunt's house and it was her maid. And, um, it was strange because she'd been there for so long. Right. So it was like, she'd been there since the kids were born and whatever. And their relationship was not how I would expect somebody who sort of, you know, you'd grown up with being that kind of relationship. It was, um, much sort of more distant than that. It was like quite cold. Um, and this woman was a go-go. And for me to have a go-go come and like... Go-go. <laughs> I was wondering what that was. Thank you. Thank you for no, 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 no. Sorry. Look, I've got you like, back. To have someone of an 
who's that much older than you come and try and take your washing I mean I actually had an argument with her first I was like no no no, no, no <laughs> yeah she literally had to pry the laundry out <laughs> no, no 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 her cold dead hands <laughs> I'm like no this is not what and nobody gives you a brief about that when you come here it's just like yeah and then after that there was backlash from your aunt right then my aunt was like no you need to do this if you want you can tip her and then I'm like well <laughs> why can't I do my own laundry? Like, how much do I pay extra for that? Like, it was just very strange. It was like a very strange conversation generally. Um, and then what I found really weird the longer I've been here is that there's like this total reliance, but there's like, they're not part of the family. And there's this, like, people know that they have their own families, but there's no integration into their family. Like, it was just it was very strange. Yeah. And then the other thing that I found really it's very unilateral. Weird, yeah, the other thing yeah. I find really, really weird about it is that the and I, again, I can't say that my viewpoint is representative, but my experiences of this is that when it's a white family and when it's a black family, the relationship is really different. Mm. So, for example, and it's for most people who do services for you. So, again, I live with a black man, and somebody came to they wanted to like fix a light i don't know so the landlord had sent someone over and when i opened the door he called me madam which is very weird (laughs) (laughs) what um and then when my boyfriend came out he called him i don't know i I think called him our tambo and i was like why do you get bruh <laughs> and I get mad I'm like that's so weird and so I asked him like when because his mom had you know people who helped them in the house and I was like well what did they call you <laughs> they called me by my name I'm like what did they call your mom like, like they called her mom whatever you know like why yeah you see and Very this is strange. the thing that I think can can happen and this is why I'm I'm really inclined to, to empathize and probably prematurely with people who are historically privileged or who's who represent people who are historically privileged. Because I think, like, you know, what you're describing to me is a madam complex, which I would have if I was you. And I've probably had a lot of the time as well. Um, I mean, I've never been called madam, but, you know, I get incredibly uncomfortable when um, a cleaner or domestic worker will treat me um, like I'm superior in, in any way because of my perceived position versus versus theirs. Um, and so, you know, I worry, <laughs> I'm really, like, I guess I'm, I'm just, I'm very sad for particularly the, you know, the whites and the madams who are actually very evolved. And I, you know, like I said, maybe it's premature. Um, but I think if you're, if you're evolved and you're an early adopter of, of, of equality, that sometimes you get a lot of, um, I don't know if it's fair or unfair, but, like, difficult backlash. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think what's weird about it is that if you asked anyone to come and provide a service for you at any other time, it's business-related, right? So, for example, then there are models of that in this country. I mean, we use an app, which this is going to sound like a total plug, but it's really great. It's called, <laughs> it's called Sweep South, and essentially it's like Uber, but it's for cleaners, and somebody comes to your house in their own clothes, right, and they clean your house, just clean the house, uh-huh. and then they leave... And the company pays them. What are the sort of rates in relation to a live-in domestic worker? Well, they charge, I think, I've I've never had a live-in domestic worker. I have no idea what that costs. Mm. Um, I've heard some pretty nasty conversations about that, but Mm. I understand that it ranges based on the family. This pays by the hour. If I remember correctly, I think it's 50. 
50 to 70 rand based on the service mm, per hour. And then they have good. a minimum hour. So I think it's four hours. They always, they always, so when you like sign up for the app, they, they say, okay, we right. estimate five hours per house. Um, and you can say, oh, actually, my house is really small. So my boat's really big. What would it take to have that as a status quo if it's so much easier to get a live-in one that's there 24 7 and will do a lot more and you pay a lot less well i think it depends on what you want isn't it like i'm not out there looking for somebody who's going to cook my meals do my ironing rearrange my fridge i think that's going to be a millennial thing i'll explain why just now okay, but, go ahead. like i think when i see the the types of things that maids domestic workers do in you know houses where they work and the level of reliance yeah. i mean that's not appable right they're, they they are looking for somebody who's going to come and just take care of all of Everything. your stuff right yeah. i'm not if somebody's going to clean my house that's yeah. what i want it does it becomes a very hairy relationship and i think as millennials what uh, we try to avoid more and more is uh strings and and commitment um and so i suspect that the less committal we become uh, as people, the more we just want to rent an Uber. And, you know, we don't necessarily want to buy property and we want to, we want to rent, we maybe want to rent an iPhone because actually we know that, you know, in six months it's going to be outdated and we're less and less committal and we travel more and all of these things. I think with that, and it seems that our society is moving progressively in that direction, um, that we're, we're going to have to restructure this entire role of, of domestic worker. Yeah, but I think that, I mean, that, that's much more normal. Yeah. It's... I mean, I think that the, the, the way that it is now is a relic of a time mm. where there was relic massive is the inequality. Right word. Well, right. what I'm wondering is if it was more affordable in Britain, do you think this model would happen there or do you think you're too conditioned already to not need that much aid from someone else? I mean, that's a great question. I think this type of thing happens where labor is cheap. I mean, it happens in India, it happens in Tanzania where we live. Like, if if you don't have to be held to a minimum wage, it would happen, I'm sure. But yeah. in those places, I mean, where my parents have the minimum wage is $15 an hour. Yeah. My mom's like, I can't, I can't afford somebody to be in the house 24 hours a day for $15 yeah. an hour. Yeah. That's every day they're yeah. making upwards of $200, right? right. Mm. Okay. What do you think this says about South African society? So what clues can it give you? Um, not specifically in terms of, of this industry, but about the broader society. Uh, there's massive inequality and there's not enough social policy, policies to support people where they need to be supported. The fact that there's no minimum wage as a standard cross-industry is appalling. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I say that as a foreigner. Like, it's appalling. Um, that is shocking. It's shocking. Mm. Um, what about South Africans as people? What do you think it says about us sociologically? I think that there's a a mindset that's in place in this country that has come from the past. It's very colonial, and I think you can see it in everywhere where there's been colonies and it has not evolved out of that, right? So, you know, you... And again, it's where labour is cheap. It's a dependency that is outdated, right? So as soon as you, like you're talking about, as soon as you're in a position socially yeah. where you can do things like 
move around and travel and whatever. Why are you going to need a maid? Mm. What interesting observations have you made about the position of working class African women across the continent? My job takes me to a lot, speaking with a lot of women, adolescent girls and women, and particularly adolescent girls. Are can you just are harrowing. can you just briefly explain what your what job do is? I do? Yeah, um, I work with Care Canada through Care International, and we work on a project that um, is trying to increase financial inclusion. So it essentially rolls out products partnering with banks, so M-Pesa type things, um, and tries to engage and integrate informal economies with formal economies. Mm. Um, and we work that, that's sort of a two-sided process. One is working in communities through village saving groups, which are mostly made up of women, and they sort of form a proxy bank among themselves um, and build collateral for credit that they then loan out to each other. They receive a bunch of trainings. They start their own businesses because most of them are starting businesses anyways. Cool. But now they have access to a loan fund, right. build collateral. And then on the other hand, we work with banks to develop products that are most appropriate for this type of community because okay. the the business case for that is in the african continent the majority of your market is actually peri-urban or rural yeah. without banking experience so if you can bank those people you'll make a lot more money sure. than just focusing on the urban centers sure. so but that requires a certain amount of dynamism it requires partnering with mobile network operators it requires a lot of different things so we work to facilitate that partnership okay cool and this speaks a lot i think to you know how invaluable working class Africans are to, you know, the greater economy. You know, this idea of focusing on banking. Well, they are the economy in Africa. Yeah, and I, I don't think... I people... love that you say that. You have a lot of people that you're supporting with one, one income-generating activity. Um, also, I think the level of responsibility is very high. So what I see all the time, especially with girls, right, is that... You're, you you had your first baby at 14, you had your second baby at 16, you're a 17-year-old mother of two, but all of the money that you get, and you're probably also in the communities that we work in, you're also supporting your brothers and sisters, you're the only one who's earning regularly, all the money that you get goes towards three key things. One is the education of your children and your siblings, your younger siblings. The second is food. And the third is growing your business, right? Mm. So there's a huge proportion of people. They, they, it, it's about how can I grow more? And mm. I think that's the difference between that and domestic worker situation in South Africa is that I don't think the growth mentality is mm. as present there. What is the unique value, um, both existing value and potential value, that domestic workers in South Africa have economically or socioeconomically? I think that any group that's able to coexist has a tremendous social value. So if you look at, for example, the way young children are with their domestic worker, that's a very... If you can bottle that, that kind of empathy and caring... 
you know, we could all drink that and things would be really wonderful. That sounds mental, yes. Um, <laughs> from an, and I think that's that's a really important That's role. very important, first and foremost. But there's also a negative side to that, which is that while you're looking after someone else's children, who's looking yeah. after your children? Sure. And I think the dissolution of the family unit is a huge issue, right? Mm. Which is another a conversation for another day. Mm. But the domestic worker is also sort of filling a role that allows that dissolution mm. on both ends. People with domestic workers not raising their kids. Domestic workers are not raising their kids. That's a huge problem. Mm. Um, but I think the capacity to move in and out of people's spaces is a huge strength that not very many people, groups of people have. Where I see that being a problem is that it seems to me, from an observer standpoint, that at a certain age, that kind of fluidity evaporates because the kids get too old. Mm. So it's sort of like you have this amazing opportunity to impact young upper-class children the challenge to that is that their environment sort of reverses that when mm. they get older but like it's young, young kids are amazing for that for that for that reason so other than that socially economically um i mean what i would call blue collar work props up any economy mm. right so people are always going to pay for that um growing that in a way that's sustainable and socially sustainable is a very crucial caveat. Mm. Um, but that actually, I think, has to come from government. Things like a working wage, mm. um, not having some sort of weird negotiation with your employer about how much you should be paid. If that was to happen, right, say hypothetically blue sky situation, you'd say, okay, uh, minimum wage for a domestic worker is 100 rand an hour. Then I think you start to see a very different thing happen, which is that it gets formalized, which is important. Yeah. Um, it becomes workable. It becomes less something that you have to do, mm. but something that, you know, you do, right? Mm. It's a job. Um, and then you'll start to see the constructs of that change as well. If it becomes 100 rand an hour, you can no longer afford to have a poor woman there who's going to do everything for you. Now you have to do like a sweep out situation. Yeah. So is is our middle class going to collapse? <laughs> no, God no. I mean, you could pay for Uber, can't you? Like, it's the same mm. thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. And I actually think that if that were to happen, you'd fulfill a very... Another thing in another problem that South Africa has around immigrants, right, which is that undocumented workers, if the if this economy was structured in a way that makes sense, right, or the way that it, it does in other parts of the world, what you'd have is a pyramid, right, where at the top you have highly educated people doing white collar jobs and then you have people who are, have to be skilled, but like skilled through colleges, you know, plumbers, electricians, stuff like that. Then you have service industry, then you have blue collar jobs, and then you have undocumented work. So if you have like a South African woman, she should be getting paid a South African living wage, right? The fact that that doesn't exist means that she's in the same boat as people who yes. are coming into this country at an undocumented standpoint. That fuels a lot of the anger that's happening, right? Yeah. But so if it was structured in a way or it was, you know, done in like a sweep south style where if you have a visa here, you get 100 rand an hour in any job you do, mm. minimum, then you'd see a different shift, right? And there would be market for people to come in from Mozambique and Zimbabwe and whatever. They're undocumented. I'm sure that's not going to change anytime soon. This country is a nightmare from an immigration standpoint. Yeah. I remember from my own experiences. Yeah. But um, that, that then there's a then there's a market for them, right? And then you so you're saying that you know there is a role for undocumented work. I don't think there should be. I think everybody should have a minimum wage, but. 
like that's not going to change anytime soon in this country, right? Right. And yeah, that's usually how it works in other places, right? Yeah, if you no, come in from with a, no visa, it's I like, mean, okay. I, I, you know, in an ideal world, we would perfectly regulate even, you know, the immigration space, right? Sure, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's definitely not going to happen. But yeah, you're but saying at least if we can alleviate the local um, workers from the undocumented load, we can begin to accommodate... Well, I think what's happening is that things are are, are, are jumbled, yeah. right? So you're saying, cool, and it, it feeds into everything. If there's a livable minimum wage, you can earn enough money to send your kid to school. Never mind send your kid to school, the kid can go to university. He goes to university, he suddenly, he's, he jumps, right? His social capital increases, he goes to the next level. So if while you were a blue-collar worker, your child can be a service delivery person and work in a hotel or whatever. It doesn't matter. And then their generation, they get paid more jumps up jumps up that is how you know movement happens right mm. so when that's the case suddenly you have south africans who by and large form the middle class right mm. as opposed to now arguably in a lot of places in this country there is no middle class right mm. it's just the top and the bottom and nothing <laughs> in between yeah. and that's how middle classes form right is that you have people for history right people started working menial jobs they through pay, through work, whatever, acquired skills that allowed them to move to the next thing, right? And then they grow their businesses from there. Mm. And then the middle class forms. You need a middle class that's comprised of the people that live in this country, which is black South Africans, yeah. right? And after you've achieved that, you can start to look at, okay, what's going on at either end of the spectrum? But the major problem is that there's nothing in the middle right now, right. and all economies are built on the middle class. That's interesting. It's a myth, this middle class, eh? Mm. Who, knew? Who knew? I mean, it's there. There's but three it's, of them, and we're yeah. holding on to them. <laughs> <laughs> Where have you seen the domestic worker employer dynamic work best? In which country have you seen that work best? Um, I think anywhere people get paid properly. <laughs> it's, when it's a formalized relationship, like when it's, it's, I mean, I guess it, it depends what you mean by domestic worker, right? Like when I grew up, it worked great, right? You pay someone $400 a week and they clean your house twice a week, not twice a week, every other week. I, I also just love how fluid this domestic worker title is yeah, that <laughs> because you've not... spoken about housekeeper nanny in other parts of the world <laughs> yeah. right and actually i don't recall ever hearing anyone non-south african use the word domestic worker it's yeah. true. because it's so and we use it because it is so fluid it can be anything from just cleaning mm. just looking after kids both and maybe occasionally gardening and you know being a security right? guard you would not you not have that i think that's when it works best is you have a gardener who you pay a fair wage to come and do your garden and he doesn't do like none of this happens on a daily basis right because it's too expensive mm. so you need labor costs to be high enough that you can have a relationship where there's integrity so not that there's not integrity mm. with the domestic workers but in sort of paying somebody 3,000 rand a month or whatever it is to do everything, you are removing the But isn't it funny that we're using this title domestic worker as an alternative to something historically derogatory, like maid, for instance, right? People take issue with. But no one, because domestic worker sounds such a professional title, no one's actually bothered to interrogate you know, the inherent, um, yeah. what inherent injustice it can have. Because mm. to be honest, I'm more uncomfortable with domestic worker. Interesting. But everyone tells me <laughs> that maid is bad. 
So it's a very it's a very strange oh, helper, thing. Helper, maid, domestic worker. Yeah, I think guys, helper. Guys, it's work. Okay, it's all work. Helper. It's, okay. <laughs> it's true. But how how do we get to a stage as a country where um, we can start discussing a minimum wage at a stage where it is implementable? Practically, mm. practically, you have to be able to have a population that pays enough taxes. That's how these things happen, right? Like you, you, you pay taxes. So the minimum wage in the UK is much higher than the US, and the reason for that is because people pay higher taxes. Yeah, because they pay higher taxes, you have all these other services available to you, like free healthcare, free education, free transport. Da 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 da. Right? That's only doable because people are paying taxes. I mean, SARS in this country doesn't collect taxes from most people and when they do collect taxes it's like disproportionate but no one is in it for the long game particularly taxpayers and maybe that's maybe that's part of the problem and it's difficult to be in it for the long game when you're trying to survive day to day but this is the thing you cannot have a reliable tax system that provides services if a there's corruption in your government like there is here. Yeah. And B, people don't earn enough to pay enough taxes. Yeah. So if the average wage here is 12,000 rand a month, that's not enough, right? Because what are you taxing from that? A fair tax amount or even a high tax amount would be, I don't know, say 2,000 rand. 2,000 rand is not enough, even if you got it from every single person, to provide enough services to have a high enough minimum wage. You need people that are in the middle class and in the upper class that can pay higher tax amounts. Uh, don't we have enough money in the upper class to carry that weight? Yeah, you do, but I think that speaks to the corruption, right? I mean, people are in bed with each other all over the place. and The reason they're not asking them to pay higher taxes is because mm. they're profiting off of the back of that, right? No, it's true. And I think, you know... And you also cannot expect, so, so this is actually another economic principle, right? You cannot ask, so the UK did this in the 1980s. They asked the upper class to pay exorbitant amount of tax. I think it was 50%. 50% tax rate, if you earned over a certain bracket, they left. Why are they going to stay if they're paying 50% of their salary in tax? Yeah. Yeah. If you ask anyone to do that, they're going to leave. But it's, it's exactly what I'm saying. No one's in it for the long game. And it's largely, well, you know, there's these bottlenecks like corruption in government. If we had, like uber efficient governments then maybe people would be in it for the long game because they can yeah. see how that 50 percent would have a direct benefit to their standard of living their quality yeah. of life the future that their children have but, but because it takes so long mm. you know it might be impact gonna, they, they're paying better. tax today but it might be impact that you know will only come to fruition long after they're gone yeah. If ever, if it but doesn't it, get caught up in, in in government corruption. But isn't it also that the country gave the government these 20 years to implement things sure. where we'd start seeing the benefits of that now? Not enough time, bro. Not yeah. enough time. Yes, no, I agree. I agree. 20 sure. years is definitely not enough time. But at the same time, we're still not talking about the 50% tax yeah. and seeing those returns. Yeah. You know, those things aren't in place. So we literally sometimes feel like we're, we're still at the very, very beginning. Your economy is held hostage in this country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're talking about like, the wealthy people in this country, well, most of them left in 94, right? Mm. But they left because, like, a lot, I mean, they left because, like, oh, the country's gone to shit. But it's also because I'm sure they knew, like, who's going to be bankrolling this? They said, not me. Hmm. Look at that. We could have even more white capsule to redistribute. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> if only we found the incentive. No, okay, joke. Uh, <laughs> joke. That's definitely not the right idea. Um, from our lovely guest, 
Good lord, woman. What a conversation. <laughs> any last words from you? I think I've said enough. Any <laughs> any final comments? I've said a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? I've commented out. Uh, cool. Um, thank you for joining us, as always, on the main sessions with Cliff Central. What an amazing conversation. Um, I just quickly want to thank Ruth. Ruth and uh, to be honest I think I only got about 2% of what you were saying <laughs> thrown so much information at us it's <laughs> crazy I think I'm going to listen to the show about 25 times and before time I actually really new, right? oh, get what I'm you were really saying to sorry, us but really thank you so much for your insights um, so please make sure to follow us on Twitter it's at made project M-A-I-D-E project and also make sure to follow our Facebook page which is simply the made sessions, M A I D E, as well. Cliff Central. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.